1: Would you hand me that, please? Thank you. Hmm. Now, let's see. Survey. Survive. Susanna. Suspect. Ah, here we are. Suspense. Meaning held in doubt. Expressing doubt. The state of being uncertain, undecided, or insecure. State of anxious expectation or waiting for information. Such as, uh, to keep one in suspense. Therefore delay acquainting him with what he is eager to know. Suspense!
2: An hour of suspense now. A full 60 minutes at this time. And with the distinguished actor-director, Robert Montgomery, as your host. Tonight our star is Howard Duff, famous wherever radio is heard as Sam Spade, detective. And as Spade, he will appear in The Candy Tooth. A suspense play produced, edited, and directed by William Spears. This is Robert Montgomery.
1: My pleasure and privilege it is to be here during this hour each week as a sort of guide, philosopher, and fiend, an accessory before and after the facts of crime and punishment, which calculatedly fill our minutes with suspense. This evening, before we chat a little about the private life of America's favorite private eye, let me, on behalf of Mr. Spear and all of us, thank you sincerely for your wonderful letters and telegrams expressing appreciation and interest in this new full-hour presentation. It's wonderful fun to have 60 Minutes to Play With in radio drama. In our new double-strength, king-size format, we plan to bring you radio plays based on complete novels and on theatrical productions and pictures. Many of the best writers of this literature... James M. Cain, Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, Graham Greene, Eric Ambler, and Agatha Christie have been happiest with a more spacious canvas upon which to display their characters of passion and purpose. With a full hour for our theater of thrills, we can give these authors a full stage on which to have their people play out their lusts and desires, their temptations and frustrations, their frantic fears and villainous of triumphs, their descent into black and terror-laden bewilderment. Sometimes we find ourselves locked in the tortured brain of the scheming criminal. At other times, we know the dread of the hunted and hapless victim. But always the basic ingredient of suspense is not mechanical gadgetry, not the detectable piecing out of fingerprints and convenient clues, but always the basic ingredient is people. For people give us emotion, and emotion marks the high drama that cold logic can never achieve. Nowhere will you find stranger people, motives, and situations than those that pass through the door of a little office in San Francisco's
3: Post Street.
1: The lettering on the door reads, Samuel Spade, Private Investigation. Once it read Spade and Archer, but that was before Miles Archer stopped a bullet and plunged Sam Spade into the greatest detective adventure of modern times, the search for the Maltese Falcon. It was literally a shot heard round the world, for it brought into prominence the name of Dashiell Hammett, and the so-called hard-boiled school of crime detection. Since then, the fictional private eye has become a national institution. But Sam Spade still rules the roost. In book sales, and motion pictures, the Maltese Falcon has been filmed four times now, and now on the air, every Sunday night, in The Adventures of Sam Spade, starring Howard Duff and produced by our very own Bill Spear. It's a great pleasure for me to introduce to our suspense audience now a young star from my home lot, Universal International, in the role with which he has become so closely identified that most of his fan mail is addressed to Sam Spade.
0: Howard Duff. Thanks, Bob. I'd like to go on record right now as saying that any checks I may sign with the name Sam Spade will be accepted at your own risk. <laughs> the detective business
1: has been pretty good lately, I hear. How much did Sam make during 1947?
0: Uh, Effie would know. But no matter how much it was, it won't change Sam. He's... Oh, he'll still do business at the same old stand in a rickety office building on Post Street where the elevator seldom ever works and the janitor never ever works. As a matter of fact, I got into my Philip Marlowe
1: pants this morning and did little spade work on spade myself. Mm -hmm. Don't stop me if I'm wrong, but here are some of the facts. S-A-X, facts. Mm -hmm. The way I dug them up. Age? Nobody talked. History? Mysterious, but was probably a Pinkerton man to start with. Height? Six feet in a small chunk. Weight, enough muscle to go with his height. Hair, mouth blonde. Eyes, yellow-gray. Unmarried. Lives alone in a small, furnished apartment within walking distance of his office. Is economical to the point of, uh, well, never takes a cab where streetcars can get, and has been known to walk where they can't get. Hmm. Secretary, Effie Perrine. The only person who really knows what makes Sam tick when he wants her to. Otherwise, he's a lonely man... Who trusts no one, lives alone, and loves alone, and expects others to like it. Have I left anything out?
0: Well, nothing you left out, Bob. Something you put in. It's not true that I don't trust anybody. I trust everybody. All my clients are honest until I prove them otherwise. Maybe that's what kept you in the private eye business all these years. (laughs) That and the strong hatred that I have. Hatred? Hatred? Yeah, for time clocks and the hours between nine and five. That's why I went into business for myself, and that's what keeps me there.
1: Then you regard it as a business, Sam, and not as an adventure. hmm?
0: Well, when you break an arm in an adventure, the cost of setting it is not tax-deductible. In a business, it is. Yes, I see. How many cases have you had? And do you think all private
1: dicks are clever?
0: Well, uh, I've had so many cases, I can't remember them all. Uh, About being clever, I once knew an operative who while looking for pickpockets at Santa Anita racetrack at his Wardstone, He uh, later became a lieutenant of detectives in Glendale. Sam, tell me, what was the most surprising thing that ever happened to you? The most surprising thing that ever happened to me was in 1936 in Washington, D.C. I met a young lady on a bus who did not remark that my work must be very interesting. Well, that's very interesting. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I guess my most exciting caper since the Maltese Falcon was the hugger-mugger of the Candy Tooth. Usually when I wind a caper, I call Effie just to let her know I'm okay before I hustle down to the office to dictate my report to the client. But this time it was 4.30 in the morning before I could get to a phone. The reason was that I was in jail. (laughs) Wake up, Angel. You're home in bed, not at the office.
3: Huh? Sa- Sam, is that you, say? Mm-hmm. What
0: time is it? 4.30 in the morning. Are you up already? Effie, pull yourself together. Get dressed. Hustle down to the city jail. Oh, Sam, what happened? Well, that's what I got to get on the record now while I'm still alive to do it. Grab a taxi and hustle on down. Bring a book, pencils, the encyclopedia that has the letter K in it, and any old $20,000 dollars you got laying around.
4: as fast as I could. There was no taxi. What are you doing in jail?
0: My apartment's being redecorated. Did you bring your book? Well,
4: of course I did. And pencils, too. But you're here on a murder chart, Sam. Whatever could have happened to you? Take it down, Evie. But, Sam, what did the you do? The San Francisco
0: do? Homicide Bureau. Attention, Detective Lieutenant Dundee. Date, uh, fill it in. I
4: will. From
0: Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the Candy Tooth Caper. Dear Dundee, I don't know all the answers, not yet. What I do know is going down on paper while I'm still alive to get it there. Oh, okay. The scenario runs something like this. This morning, a telegram came to my office. It was addressed to Samuel Spade, Esquire, and it was signed, Casper Gutman. Gutman, the fat man. So far as I... New Dundee, when you closed your books on the Maltese Falcon Capers seven years ago, Gutman was entered as dead. First, I thought the telegram was somebody's idea of a joke. But when I read it through the second time, I knew it was no joke. There's nobody else who thinks or talks or writes like Casper Gutman. My dear Mr. Spade, you will
2: no doubt receive with mixed emotions the news of my imminent reappearance in the city of the Golden Gate. Hence, the companion dispatch of a telegraphic draft and the amount of $1,000, which you are free to convert into coin of the realm. This trifling sum, sir, is merely a token of my esteem for a man of many resources and nice judgments. And for it, I do not require any specific service. However, if you feel so disposed, sir, you are free to accept my considered advice in the matter of an invidious pair of rogues. To wit, one Lawrence Laverne, D.D.S., and or hope Laverne, whose charms and aliases are far too myriad to enumerate in this necessarily abbreviated communication, should either or both of these persons approach you, beware the hidden truth. Believe me, sir, they are untruthful, and unreliable, and totally devoid of all moral sensibilities. I count upon you to make no commitments to them or anyone else until you have heard my proposition. This I hope to lay before you when I arrive in San Francisco this very evening. Dear Joel send Regards, I remain your obedient servant, Casper Gutman.
0: Casper Gutman, the fat man. I know, Dundee, you figured I didn't get hurt much the last time I tangled with Gutman over the Maltese Falcon. But that's because you didn't know Bridget O'Shaughnessy as well as I did, as well or as warmly. Well, I figured if Gutman was still in the land of the living, let him come. This time, I wasn't going to get hurt in any way. There couldn't be two bridges. Nevertheless, I ate a can of spinach, which I found on Effie's desk. Then I sat down again, facing the door. Nothing much happened for almost ten minutes. I was still trying to dig the meaning out of Gutman's double dog, and I'd gotten about as far as his warning about a hidden tooth when Effie ushered a man into my office. Mr.
3: Spade.
0: Well, I must say that you are indeed a pleasant
5: surprise but pleasant. You've said it. What can I do for you? My name is Laverne. Larry. Uh, Lawrence Laverne. How do you do? I shall spare you the tiresome details and plunge right into the problem. Oh, dear. At the Hotel Royal George, there is a mildewed creature in, but mildewed registered as Mr. Herman Julius. Oh, a really frightful person.
0: Very frightful, huh?
5: Oh, the kiss of death's apartment. The only thing about this creature that has any charm is a four tooth lower bridge in his right jaw. Now, Mr. Spade, I want you to get that bridge for me. I'm sorry. It sounds as though you're saying I want you to get that bridge for me. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he refuses to pay me for it.
0: You're uh,
5: a dentist? I prefer to regard myself as a dentist sculptor I created this bridge for Mr. Julius with infinite pains, and now now he refuses to pay
0: me. I ask payment, and he accuses me
5: of acting without
0: charm. Mr. Julius wouldn't happen to be a very large, fat man? Oh, contraire. Skin and bone. Well, Mr. Spade? I'm afraid you come to the wrong man, Mr. Laverne. What you want is a lawyer, to sue him. Sue him?
5: Months of legal wrangling? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I intend to be vindictive about this. I am, by nature, a very gracious and charming person. But now... Now, let him beware. I shall have that bridge from Herman Julius, even if you must knock him down and wrench it from his jaw. Uh-oh. You tried knocking him
0: down yourself?
5: Oh, I, I could never even bring myself to perform extraction. I always send those patients to less sensitive dentists.
0: Yeah, well, I'm afraid you'll have to find yourself a less sensitive private detective.
5: Oh, oh, dear. Well, Mr. Spade, what would you advise me to do? I, uh,
0: Mr. I... Laverne, I would advise you to get out of California before Walt Disney sees you. Well, well, good day, sir. Hmm.
5: I would like very much to have you in my chair some day. Uh, might teach you some manners. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where the hidden truth? Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Hello. Hello. Uh, <clears throat> please sit down, Miss. Uh... Thank you,
6: Laverne. Hope Laverne.
0: Miss Laverne. Yes. What can I do for you?
6: Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking for my brother. Missing? Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, he's been gone since yesterday, and I'm terribly afraid he'll get into trouble.
0: Oh? What kind of trouble?
6: Well, you see, it, it, but it just isn't easy for me to talk about this, Mr. Spade. Well, now,
0: Miss Lawrence, suppose you just lean back in that chair, close your eyes, and... Yes,
6: thank you. Yes, it's easier like
0: this. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd like it.
6: My brother's name is uh, Lawrence. He's a man of 52. He's, uh, he's not well. I mean, he gets spells, and he acts peculiarly. He suffered a nervous breakdown some years ago, and he spent most of his life in sanitariums.
0: Where are you from, Miss Laverne? Kansas
6: City. Uh, during the past year, uh, Larry was in a rest home in uh, Palo Alto, and I arrived two days ago to take him home yesterday morning. He... Well, I don't know how it happened, but he's gone.
0: These uh, spells, you mentioned, what are they like?
6: Oh, well, he assumes different personalities. His favorite seems to be that of a dentist. He becomes obsessed with the thought that he's done some work, a bridge or something, for someone who refuses to pay him. He'll walk up to a perfect stranger and create a scene. He's been arrested a few times, nothing serious, public nuisance. Mr. Spade, I'm afraid that he'll be be put away if he's arrested once more.
0: I see, and you want me to look for him.
6: Then he hasn't been here.
0: Why'd you think he'd come here?
6: Oh, that, that's another one of his tactics. He goes to a private detective, hires him to either follow a man or get back the work he thinks he's done. Uh, dental work, you know.
0: But what made you think he'd come to me? Oh,
6: well, not you, particularly. Ever since yesterday, I've tried almost every private detective in San Francisco. No one has seen him. Who'd you talk to? I beg your pardon?
0: These are uh, private detectives. Who'd you see?
6: Oh, well... Uh... Um, there was a man named Graham, and, uh, uh, one named Marlowe, Philip Marlowe.
0: Excuse me. Would you like a drink?
6: No.
3: Marlowe speaking.
0: That's uh, Spade, Phil.
3: Hiya, Sam.
0: Uh, Phil, uh, you got a rumble on a missing brother named, uh, Larry Laverne? Yeah,
1: yeah. Cal was in early this morning. Hmm? Brother, some kind of a screwball.
0: You meet him? No, no, hasn't been around yet. Ah, thanks, Phil. See ya.
6: Why did you do that, Mr. Spade?
0: It's doing things like that that have kept me alive and in business all these years. That was Marlowe. Your brother hasn't been to him.
6: I told you that.
0: But your brother has been here. When? A few minutes before you came in. Can't see how you missed him.
6: What did he tell you, Mr. Spade?
0: Pretty much as you outlined it.
6: About the dental work. And some man owing him money.
0: Yes, some man named Julius. Uh, Herman Julius, he said. You know him?
6: I never heard of him. It's probably just another figment of Larry's imagination. Mr. Spade, I'm terribly worried about Larry. I got that impression. Will you try to find him for me?
0: Can you give me any idea where I might start looking?
6: Well, I, I I, think I know how Larry's mind works when he's in the midst of one of these spells, and uh, if you find this Mr. Uh, uh, Julius, uh, you'll probably find Larry close by.
0: So you want me to find Mr. Julius first?
6: Oh, well, I only thought it would be simpler checking on this Mr. Julius movements than on... Mary's unpredictable when, you see. I don't you think that makes
0: good sense, Mr. Stay? Miss Laverne told me she was staying at the Pickwick Arms, and I said I would call her if I found her brother, and she said, Thank you, thank you very much. And I said it's nothing, just part of the day's routine, and then she kissed me and left. After lunch. I, uh, strolled over to the Royal George Hotel. Duke, the housekeeper, gave me a rundown on Mr. Julius, a quiet, nervous little man who'd sealed himself up in his room for two days, eating out a room service. I didn't have any trouble finding the hacky who had driven him away when he checked out. He gave me the address, and 20 minutes later, I was mounting the front steps of a greasy rooming house on Sacramento Street. I twisted the rusty bell on the door, and a long, sharp nose that could only belong to a landlady stabbed out at me. What you want? I'm looking for a man named Herman Julius.
7: Don't have no Julius here.
0: Well, maybe he gave some other name. A little skinny guy with a foreign accent. You the lord. Take me to his room.
7: Oh, no, wait a minute. No, no. Well, step inside. Up the stairs. Hey, uh, home? Never seen him go out. Uh, ain't for one door. Watch that step. Take it from the top. He's busted. Uh, no what? want no lawsuits. Uh,
0: it's the third.
7: Said he was a refuge. And Nazis was after him. Uh, another flight. Never knew he was in a dangle with the Lord. Uh, smell that? certainly do. Cooking in the rooms. Oh. I've got a rule, too. Speaking of electric plates, they do. Runs up the bills. Buzzards. Uh, there's his room. Uh, Mr. Julius! Mr. Julius! Uh, Mr. Julius, you second there? Uh, they drink, some of them. Then that don't cook in their rooms, they drink. Get DD, some of them. <laughs> oh, go on and get him. I don't want no part of it. Oh, uh,
0: shit. I didn't see who it was right away. His face was the color and consistency of crushed strawberries. I helped him up and over to the wash basin in the corner of the room. With his face washed, he looked a little better, but he still looked like Larry Laverne.
3: Oh,
0: oh, am I ever glad to see you. I thought it was them coming back to kill me. Did you find Julius?
5: No, no. Got away the wretch down the fire escape as I came in. Who
0: did this to you? Big fat man?
5: To tell the honest truth, Mr. Spade, I I never even got a good look at him. He was all over me before I Julius,
0: what's in his bridge work?
5: Oh... I'll tell you everything, everything, but please, first, let's get out of this horrid room.
0: Oh, it smells like Abbey. Larry Laverne was tougher than he looked. After the going over he'd gotten, you or I would have been hospital bound, Dundee. But he did a late take. We were on the way back to his hotel, walking toward Market, when he crumpled in the middle like a sack of flour. I grabbed him and held him upright, looked wildly around for somewhere to park him. We were standing in front of a newsreel theater. I bought two tickets and piloted him inside. We sat down. I undid his clutch in my arm and concentrated on the screen. The subject that followed the football game, some big Oriental celebration somewhere in India or someplace, a very fancy parade with white elephants... Candies, and
7: stars, and the rest of them. the famed white elephants oh, no. of the Orient get their annual airing as crowds of devout Buddhists huh. gather to do homage to some of the strangest relics in the modern world. Here in Candy, oh. the mecca of the Buddhist religion, pilgrims gather from near and far.
2: Indian Raja, oh, burning geez. officials, and Please Chinese dignitaries in ceremonial dress prostrate themselves before the two casket this. containing the most sacred object of the
7: Buddhist world. Oh. Legendary relic of Buddha himself. As the Orient goes wild in solemn oh. celebration, temple dancers of candy perform for the crowned heads of the Orient. <laughs> Take me out of here! I can't stand it, Uncle Matt! I tell you, shark-raving man!
4: Ah,
0: easy, you're annoying the
7: country. You brought me in here on purpose. I know, you're trying to drive I me know.
4: crazy, but crazy! Easy, easy, easy. Listen to me. Two men
7: holding one up the sacred relic across by
3: a high street.
5: Line. If that man says that one word, Candy, just once more? I won't be responsible, I, I tell you.
7: I won't be responsible! Uh, all right, Larry. Take me out of here! What's the end? What's the end? Oh, you got heat so going. Come on, let's get out An impressive ceremony, Indeed.
5: I promise you, Mr. Spade. All I need is just one night's sleep and I'll be a new man. Yeah. Why, well, I haven't even dared to take 40 winks since I arrived in this town for fear those monsters might murder me in my bed. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know. Stop. Sit down. So this is your apartment? That's what I laughingly call it. Living room, bedroom, icebox. Here, have a drink. Me oh, too. thanks. Oh. Oh, did
5: I ever need that. Dump yourself in the bottle. I don't touch alcohol as a rule, but after what I've been through. Well, now drink all you like. You deserve it. Oh, thank you. Ah. Well, I hardly know where to begin. It's also strange. And there I was in Lisbon, Mr. Spade, the only English speaking dentist worthy of a name in the entire diplomatic colony. Well, you must have read in the papers about Dom Constantino's tomb being violated. It was a scandalous
0: season.
7: Oh, it's so, so horrible, Mr. Spade. I just
0: can't talk about it. a little more of this. Settles the nerves. Oh. I just
5: don't know how I can ever thank you. Ever since I hit this berg, I've been feeling
0: like the forgotten... (coughs) Pardon. Man. Yeah, you were saying something about a tomb being broken into. In Portugal this was? Yeah. Well, you know, the draft board just took one look
5: at me. I know what you mean. So I just stayed on in Lisbon and... Well, you know how people got having patients of all nationalities and all that. You know? Yeah, yeah, I
0: get it. Between the Nazis and the Allies, you were quite a social
5: line. Oh, and I wait a minute. Don't get the idea I was a spy. Oh, no. But sometimes people had things that could be hidden in a hollow tooth and like that. You a know, bridge work, you know? I think I told you I'm not so much a dentist as a dental artist. mm
3: mm-hmm.
5: <sighs> Well, that fat Mr. Gutman brought me this tooth, you see. Gutman. Yes, yes, Mr. G and that Joel Cairo person that was with him... Well, they brought me this tooth. Oh, a horrid yellow old thing, practically a fang. They wanted to put it in Mr. Julius's fridge. It paid me a thousand pounds. Can you imagine? Then when I learned what they had done, well, it made me positively ill. This practically sacred old tomb in the cathedral—they'd broken in and literally torn out a piece of his of his jawbone. foes. Why, Don Constantino's. And who's Dom Constantino? Oh, the Portuguese viceroy. It didn't hurt him any. He's been dead five hundred years, if
7: he's dead a day. Oh dear, I'm as tight as a tick. Oh, this, this liquor is getting to me.
0: <laughs> and it was. I thought he'd open up some more, but I overplayed the bourbon. Half a bottle later he passed out. I flopped on the sofa and tried to get some sleep for myself. But my dreams kept getting in the way. I had newsreel dreams in Technicolor. I dreamed that a white elephant with a face like Casper Gutman was leading a parade down Market Street. The howdah that was strapped to his back looked like a dentist chair. Herman Julius was sitting in it, but this face seemed to be blanked out. Joel Cairo, wearing a surgeon's gown and a turban, was drilling Julius' tooth. The crowds were throwing diamonds and rubies from the peanut bags they were carrying, and Gutman vacuumed them up with his trunk. That was when the bells started ringing in the Buddhist temple that had been built on top of the Mark Hopkins. Who's I'm this? Hope Laverne,
6: please, Mr. Spade. I'm, I'm
0: terrified. Right? Where are
6: you? I'm in a drugstore, Fifth and Mission.
4: Near the bus depot? Yes, please.
6: Come
3: at once,
0: Mr. Spade. can okay, <laughs> if you come here...
3: I can't. I don't dare go into the streets.
0: All right. Wait there. I'm on my way. I took a quick gander at Laverne, saw he was still out cold, slipped into my topcoat, and left the apartment. I figured it would take me 11 minutes to hustle over to Fifth and Mission. I never got any further than 50 yards from the front of my building. I sensed them behind me, wheeled suddenly, bumped them into a doorway, oh. held the thumbs of his hands, gripped tightly in my fist. Oh. Stand still or I'll tear them off. Let
3: go. I'll kill you. Don't move and it won't hurt. You filthy beast.
0: The boy twisted suddenly and violently, and I heard the crack of his left thumb breaking. Oh. Oh. He swallowed a scream, dashed down into the deserted street. I went after him, turned to the alley, and caught the butt of a gun behind my right ear. I don't know how long I was out, but I do know I came to at least three hours too soon. I needed much more rest. I opened my eyes, steadied a swaying ceiling, and then I heard his voice.
3: Well,
2: sir, this is indeed a jolly reunion.
0: (laughs) It couldn't be, but it was. Casper Gutman, the fat man of the Maltese Falcon Caper. Looking at the unholy trio there in the room, Joel Cairo, the little Levantine, still as oily and smiling as ever and still fragrant. Marvin, a sullen, white faced, hollow eyed youth, as near Wilmer's double as anyone will ever see. And Gutman, spruce as ever, in his black cutaway coat, black vest, and gray striped, gray striped t- trousers. He'd have thought nothing had happened since then. Not even the war. The grayness at Cairo's temples only made his baby face look more babyish. And about Gutman, nothing was different except his watch chain. A curious jewel encrusted ornament dangled from it. Shaped like a claw.
2: Yeah. Oh, you
0: seem surprised to see me,
2: sir. No wonder. It's always disconcerting to encounter a ghost, especially such a substantial ghost. <laughs> a lot of water has gone under the bridge since last we met, eh? Uh,
3: under the bridge? Uh, uh, the
2: bridge. Uh, yes, which brings us to the subject at hand. The bridge.
0: My headaches.
2: What about the bridge? Well, first we'll talk of it. After all, this is quite an occasion, sir.
0: Reunion of old friends, eh, Mr. Slade? Yeah. Tell me, did you ever find the falcon, if you'll excuse the expression? Uh,
2: Your eyes are resting on all that remains of that fabulous bird, sir. Yes, that trinket on his watch chain. All that remains of the Maltese falcon. Well, mark you, sir, what part of it survived. The claw. Uh, You believe in omen?
0: Right now, I'm ready to believe almost anything.
2: Indeed, sir. Well, no need for dissembling. We're old and wise, I trust, in the days of the falcon. Suffice it to say... The unsavory and uh, bloated object which the police dredged up from San Francisco Bay and identified as myself was some other poor soul. Wilmer, I am happy to say, remembered the debt of gratitude he owed me, at the last moment agreed to be a party to the very necessary little deception. That is, since they had him cold, as you detectives say, for the other killings, he might as well confess to murdering me. He did so in exchange for my agreement to take care of his family in a financial way. An investment, by the way, which is paid rich dividend. How's that? Oh, indeed. Oh, well, thanks to it, I now have Marvin, Wilmer's younger brother. I
0: thought I noticed the family resemblance. Oh, shut up. Oh, yes, yes. Poor Wilmer. He was like a son, man. Like a son. Well, oh, it didn't stop you from making him a Patsy. I test killing Mr. Spade. I cautioned Wilmer time and again. He was so headstrong. Oh, mere boy. you better caution this punk, or he won't last to take any raps for no, you. Now, no, no, Marvin, old... Marvin, Marvin.
4: That dirty Samus lays
2: a hand on me. No, 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 Marvin, Marvin. You'll take Marvin to the other room. Uh, Explain uh, to him that Mr. Spade and I are very old friends. Hesper knows best uh, Marvin, come and with me. And now, you. no nonsense, you two <laughs> now. Come oh, kill uh, us uh, him. Marvin, uh, <laughs> Hesper would be angry. <laughs> oh
0: Hot-headed. Runs in that family. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's have it, Gutman. What are you after this time,
2: oh, my dear Ver? You must judge me. It's true I had Marvin check up on you, but only because of your association with Miss Laverne. Oh, but, uh, no matter now. I'm weary of the chase. All the way from Candy, I. Mm. What did the girl tell you?
0: She asked me to find her brother, a dentist named Laverne. You believed her story? No.
2: Most unscrupulous woman. No veracity. No regard for truth whatsoever. Her true motive? <laughs> Merely no, to make trouble for me and my friends because of her association <coughs> with Kemidoff. Aye, the Russian's hand again, Mr. Spade. Miss. Yep, Kemida. Did I ever meet Kemidoff? You'd hardly forget if you had. In short, here is my proposition. Another thousand dollars, coin of the realm, sir, for which you will refund whatever money Miss Laverne gave you and send her packing. The bidding starts at ten thousand. Ooh, oh. you drive a hard bargain, Mr. Spade. Mm. Very well. I'll meet your turn.
0: I told you the bidding starts there. And where does it stop? Half or whatever the case, and that's you. I deliver Julius, you do the rest. And between you and me, Mr. Spade,
2: I'm not as affluent as I once was. The Falcon pretty well wiped me out financially. Considering the time and money I've already invested in trying to track down the weasel Julius. What's in uh,
0: Julius's bridge <laughs> And if I don't choose to tell you? Then it's no dice. Bring it over, Goodman. Either I'm in all the way for half, or I deliver Julius to the other outfit. And that is your final dictum, sir. Take it or leave Either you're in, or you're out. Uh,
2: good night, Mr. Spade. I trust you will call me on the telephone when you reach your diggings and tell me that you've changed your mind. <laughs> no, no hard feelings.
3: <laughs>
0: The fog was clearing and only a few white wisps of it were clinging to Twin Peaks when I walked home that morning. It was too late to worry about hope. I heard a chief phone for Gutman to decoy me out so that I started walking faster. As I climbed the stairs to my apartment, I heard a door open on the landing and the slot of light that stabbed out from it showed me it was my door. The light came from behind, whoever had opened it, and I couldn't see who it was at first, only that it was not Larry Laverne. I took the last flight four steps at a time. Hello, Sam. Dundee, what's happened? Come in and see for yourself. Well, I saw for myself I wish somebody else had seen for me. Hysterical Larry was lying on his back on my bedroom floor. His eyes were wide open, and he had a crooked grin on his face. A very crooked grin. Whoever had killed him had wrenched his jaw out of place. I'm not saying you killed him, Sam. I'm only asking you who did. Uh, don't be a child, Dundee. Why was he killed? No statement. What was he doing here? Who is he? The name he gave was Laverne. I let him flop here because he's afraid to go home. Afraid of who? A man named Casper Gutman. What? Yeah, Gutman. Quit darling, Sam. Gutman's dead and you know it. You bury him, Dundee? Well, I believe you mean it. Well, Gutman's concerned. it doesn't take the kid around. What's he after now? The bridge work out of a man's mouth. The man's name is Julius. What's in this Julius Bridgewood? Maltese Falcon? Something like that.
1: I'm sorry, Sam. It's not good enough. I'll have to take you in.
0: So you took me and you booked me. The bail was set at $20,000. You saw that. You figured there's only one operator who put up that kind of money to spring me, and that's Casper Gutman. I hope you're right period, and the first part, at least, of Sob's story.
4: But, Sam, what is in Herman Julius's Bridgewood? Uh,
0: Laverne told me it was a tooth Gutman stole out of a skeleton in an old Portuguese catacomb.
4: What's so valuable about that? I don't know. Could be a jewel inside of it?
0: No, uh, so Gutman's kind of game. Besides, the thing that made poor Laverne blow his top in that newsreel theater was something more like an elephant oh. tusk. Uh, where's that encyclopedia? Did you bring it?
4: Oh, yes, I did, Sam. Yes, I did. Wasn't I smart? Look it up. Look what up?
0: Candy
4: with a K. Oh. Um, K, Ka, Oh, here it is. Um, Candy. K city. Capital of central province of Ceylon, located near the center of the island north.
0: Tell me with geography.
4: Well, the railroad from Colombo. And noted for its waterfalls and south and south yeah, and south. Yeah, that yeah. Is... the city surrounds an artificial lake and is sacred to Buddhists for the temple of Maligawa which enshrines the tooth of Buddha brought according to... Why, I... let me see that. Oh, Grant. Let me see, uh... The sacred,
0: sacred, the Buddha's for the temple of Malagao, which enshrines it. Effie.
4: What's the matter, Sam?
0: It says the Buddha.
4: Sam, you don't think that's what in Herman Julius' bid
0: If it was, Gutman would be after him.
4: But how did he get the Portugal?
0: to If it did, Gutman's the man that could track it down.
4: Sam, you sure of that?
0: No, Angel. No. The only thing I am sure of is this. When the Maltese falcon laid an egg, it hatched a flock of vultures, and they're all circling right around my head.
4: Well, cheer up, Sam. You won't be in jail long. I'll bring you a cake with a file in it. Angel. No, devil's food.
2: In tonight's 4 hour of suspense, Howard Duff, our star, appears at Sam Spade with Joseph Kearns as Casper Gutman in William Spears' production of The Candy Tooth. Tonight's study in suspense.
1: In just a moment, we will return with the second half of The Candy Tooth. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: And now,
2: back to our Hollywood sound stage, and Robert Montgomery.
1: At the point at which we interrupted Sam Spade's narrative just now, things were at a pretty pass. A pretty pass, indeed. A pretty pass. Sam wound up with the body of the dentist, Larry Laverne, in his apartment. The girl, Hope, waiting for him in the bus station. Casper Gutman, the fat man, waiting for him to answer, and that, waiting for an answer to his ultimatum that Spade produced
0: the tooth. Or else... Me in city prison under $20,000 bail and the fabulous candy toots still chomping on two-bit hamburgers and the bridge work of a very elusive man named Herman Julius. Yes. And? Well, uh, after I dictated my report to Effie on what had happened until then, she left and I laid down to think. Lieutenant Dundee and I had agreed that I should spend the night in the Folkman. He figured that the 20-G bail would draw only one man to put up that much moulin to spring me, Casper Gutman. Along about 9 a.m., the turnkey unlocked the door of my cell. I followed him out to the desk. The 20,000 bucks were there, but no sign of benefactor, benefactress, or Samaritan of any type. The bond was in my name. I signed my release and walked out. Across the street was parked a long black limousine with a curtain drawer. I started for it when a voice at my elbow checked me. Your finger paid... Seat. Huh. I'm Dom
8: Constantino de Braganza. It's I who have put up the $20,000. Is that so? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, now, uh... Why? Ah. Uh, I desire a service. <laughs> My card's in her. Uh,
0: Don Constantino... The... Wait a minute. Yes, yeah, you seem to know the name. Eh? Yeah, yeah. For a guy who's been dead 500 years, you don't look too bad. <laughs> oh, thank
8: you. You are referring, of course, to my lost ancestor, Dom Constantino, the first Portuguese viceroy of India, who indeed had been dead since the 16th century. Is on his behalf I speak to you now. <laughs> what can I do for him? ...restored the tooth, which was wrenched from his skull by a pack of unspeakable ghouls who violated his tomb in Lisboa. You think they're in San Francisco? Let us not be naive, Senor. The contemptible little dentist, Laverne, was killed in your apartment. Therefore, you must know the whereabouts of the other ghouls.
0: I know so many ghouls, Senor. You'll have to be more specific.
8: I refer to a fat pig named C. Gutman and an odorous little camel named J. Cairo. And most especially to a woman of the female sex by name H. Laverne.
0: You want them or the tooth.
8: Both. Not
0: one without the other. No, it'll take a little time. They haven't got the tooth. So what it is. And the bridge work of a man named Julius. Oh.
8: That then explains the dentist and the diabolical manner which they employed in smuggling
0: the tooth out of his Now, uh, you if... go on home and uh, you stay there until I call you, huh? Ah. Thank you, I respect your judgment. Thank you. You will find me at the
8: Hotel San Rafael, and for the retainer, you may consider the $20,000 bond as due. Wow. Adios, senor.
0: Adios. Uh, be careful, crossing streets. Uh, adios. 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 Adios, Tom Constantino. Adios. Yeah, <laughs> adios.
4: Adios. Adios. Say,
6: <laughs> uh-huh. hey. Sam, get in.
0: Got a hack license, Miss Laverne? Oh,
6: please don't, ma'am. I know this car's ridiculous, but I don't dare use taxis if he's seen in the street. What did that man tell you?
0: What happened last night when you called me from the bus station in such a panic?
6: Why didn't you come?
0: I went to see the fat man.
6: You saw Gutman? Did he mention me?
0: You didn't make that call last night to get me out of the apartment so that somebody could get in and kill Laverne. Oh, Sam. Then why did you call?
6: Because I found Herman Julius, and I'm driving you there now.
0: We didn't do any talking after that. She sat very close to me. There was plenty to talk about, but we didn't do any talking after that. I was vaguely aware that we were driving across to Oakland, and a few minutes later we pulled up in front of an apartment building. We took the elevator up to the ninth floor.
6: This is it, Sam. Night, In there, Sam. I know he is. Mr.
0: Julius. Mr. Julius. Go, go away. There's no Julius here. That's his voice. Right. Mr. Julius, I've got to talk to you. Yes. It's very important. But, if you don't open the door, I'll have to. I,
7: I'll kill my I'll kill my He will Sam. He will. You've got to stop him. Go away. Julius. Kill Wait a minute. Wait, don't. No, do
0: the ninth floor he started from. Poor, frightened little Herman Julius was dead on arrival. By the time we made it downstairs, the street was cluttered with cops. I grabbed Hope by the arm, hustled her around the corner to a rented limousine, and told her to call her later. My next stop was the fat man himself.
2: Well, sir, have so you reconsidered. You found Julius.
0: I know where he is.
2: And your turn, sir. What are your turns?
0: A hundred thousand. Cash on the line. Oh. Out of the question, Mr. Spade. No cash, no tooth. You found another buyer? Yeah. A man named Constantino de Baganza says the tooth belongs <coughs> in the head of his ancestor by a previous marriage. Oh, ho, ho. a quaint conceit, though Very droll. Uh, And what else did he say to you? That he'd double any bid that you made on the tooth. My dear fellow,
2: have you any inkling, any remote idea of the value
0: of that tooth? No? Well, I'll tell you, sir.
2: But let me warn you. If I tell you... And you do not then produce the tooth. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on with it, Governor. Yes. Well, sit down, sir. <coughs> How much do you know the 16th century history of the
0: Orient? Well enough to fill that tooth with.
2: Capital joke, sir. I shall give you a little more. Enough, say, to fill an elephant's tusk. I'm listening. <coughs> well, sir. When the Portuguese invaded India in the 16th century and established the city of Goa, There were three main empires in the order, namely China, India, and Burma. And the rulers of all three empires sought to rule the world. Now, Legend has that in order to become lord of the world, a monarch had first to be the possessor of seven gems. That's gems spelled with a J, sir. Yes, gems. This is no fantasy, I'm telling you, Mr. Spade. This is actual history. Seven gems. And what were those seven gems? You tell me. The first six do not concern us, a golden wheel, a white elephant, all easy to come by for an Oriental monarch. But the seventh... Ah, Mr. Spade, the seventh... What was that, the tooth? The tooth, Mr. Spade, the tooth. The sacred tooth of the great Lord Buddha himself. That remained in the temple of Maligawa at Kandy, on the island of Ceylon. so many kings sent armies to capture it, but all were defeated by the fierce Brahmin who stood guard at the temple gate. And so... We come to the year 1552. It's about time. Now, in that year, the Portuguese viceroy, Dom Constantino de Braganza landed near Jaffna with a force of 1,220 men and defeated the king's legions in a savage battle.
3: Mm.
2: He returned to Goa with his victorious army and the two, which he retained as his personal prize. It was not long before the Burmese king, by now, by name, sent an emissary to Dom Constantino offering the modern equivalent of a million pounds sterling as ransom for the tooth.
0: I'd have guessed Portugal.
2: No, oh, hear me out, sir. Hear me out, hear me out. Oh, <laughs> all
0: right.
2: Well, before the transaction could be consummated, the Portuguese archbishop called on Don Constantino and in the name of the Inquisition demanded the tooth. After some delay, Don Constantino, under threat of torture, delivered a tooth into the archbishop's hands, and that tooth was publicly destroyed the Archbishop grinding it into powder with mortar and pestle and scattering the residue upon a fire that the tooth might be utterly <coughs> consumed. Shortly after this, Don Constantino's personal physician, after drawing a tooth, now mind you, a tooth, from the Viceroy's head, died under very mysterious circumstances. So we may safely infer that the substitute tooth which he drove into the Viceroy's jawbone after the primitive fashions of dentistry in those days was the candy tooth. Put there for safekeeping until Dom Constantino could resume negotiations with my now uh, Yeah, but, have... but 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 before that could be accomplished, Dom Constantino was stricken with the plague, carried aboard ship and home to Portugal, where he died. He was entombed with a candy tooth still in his head. Now the manuscript which fell into the possession of the Russian Kemedov, and later into mine, but I shall not go into unnecessary detail. Of course not. Was Dom Constantino's deathbed confession proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that the real candy tooth has reposed for more than four centuries, not in the great temple at Candy and Ceylon, but in a Portuguese tooth.
0: Yeah, well, I think I can take it from there. Uh, <clears throat> you still haven't told me what my percentage is. Well,
2: my dear boy, if your percentage were one-tenth of one percent of what can be realized on that tooth, you could retire to a life of sloth and luxury for the rest of your days. <laughs> For the restoration of the true relic, there is no limit to what the Buddhist world could and would pay. Gifts and tribute paid to one temple alone exceed $11 million a year. <laughs> now, my boy, you begin to comprehend something of its value.
0: I'll still settle the cash. Uh,
2: very well, then. $10,000. It's a bail. You understand, Mr. Spade. Now that you have my secret, the affair must be gotten over quickly, for good and all. If it is not, believe me, this time I shall not bargain with you for my life. You shall bargain with me for yours.
0: After I left Gutman, I called you, Dundee, and found out by a clever ruse where Herman Julius's body had been sent. You told me. Then I hustled on over to the mortuary. As I walked in, a hushed young man wearing a hushed cutaway and a hushed expression greeted me. I'm Converse Etheridge. Honest. Can I be absurd? Thank you. I've uh, come to pay my last respects to an old friend. I. Uh, can I be alone with him for a moment? His name? Uh, Julius. Herman Julius? Oh, yes, yes. His widow is here, sir.
5: Mrs. Julius. His widow, huh? Yes, yeah, she's inconsolable. Uh, perhaps,
0: as a dear friend of the departed, you might give her words of comfort. Please go in. Thank you. The little woman in black was sobbing quietly to herself. She turned around when she heard me come in. Her eyes lit up with hatred, and suddenly she grabbed something from her pocketbook and held it at me. It was a forty-five, and her hand was shaking.
3: Yeah,
4: this time I will do it.
7: Always before I didn't have the heart. Always hating bloodshed. But this time... Yeah,
9: this
0: time... Oh, Nick, Nick, fraud your It's fine,
9: You... You are um, Not one of them.
0: No, no, I'm a detective. I I want to punish the people responsible for your husband's death.
9: Yeah, Yeah, I believe you. This gun. I was going to follow poor Herman. There didn't seem to be any reason for going on.
0: Uh, Tell me something about yourself and your husband, Mrs.
9: Julius. Ah, it's an old story now. Years of separation in different concentration camps bribery bribery then my children and I we were finally released came to this country after two years Herman brought us from Lisbon we knew soon he would be with us but even though the war was finished they had lost Still, they were after Herman Julius. He knew the Nazis were behind him all the time. And even here, in this country, he did not dare come to me.
0: Mrs. Julius, uh, you see, uh, those people that followed your husband this time weren't Nazis. They, they weren't even after him. They were after something he was carrying. In uh, Lisbon, didn't he go to a dentist named Laverne?
9: Oh, yeah. And did yeah,
0: didn't uh, Laverne put an odd-shaped tooth, kind of yellow, into his bridge work? Yeah. So he smuggled the candy tooth out of Portugal and he never even knew it.
9: Oh, well, it does not matter now. Oh, Herman is dead. Surely you. They will leave his poor broken body in peace.
0: I doubt it very much, Mrs. Julius.
9: No.
7: No, surely they will.
0: That's why I want to make a request of you. You see, others have died besides your husband because of this thing. More will die unless you do as I ask you.
9: Oh, to stop terror. Any terror. I will do anything, Mr. Spinnett. Anything you think.
0: I told her what I wanted done and she agreed to do it. Then I started on my part of it. I called Gutman at the the St. Mark and told him a lesson at my apartment. Then I called Dom Constantino at the San Rafael. Hope and I got there around 10.30. Go on in, Angel. Well,
6: this is where you live, Sam? Where I sleep. Must be lonely for you.
0: Sorry, no vacancy.
6: Sam, listen. There's so much I want to tell you about myself.
0: I'm listening. Well,
6: listen, Just before the war started, I was engaged to marry a man named Kemidoff in London.
0: The Russian? Yeah. Gutman mentioned something about an old manuscript.
6: Yeah, Kemidoff had stolen it. In India, it was very old, and Kemidoff said that the information in it made it worth more than the Maltese Falcon. It was in Latin.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. How'd the fat man get this manuscript away from Kemidoff? So you, uh, double-crossed Kemidoff and took the manuscript to Gutman.
6: Sam, before they get here, I've got to tell you something. No matter what happens, I want you to know this. Sure,
3: sure, I know.
0: Say it, Angel.
6: Don't
3: torture me,
6: Sam. I'd like
0: to hear it, Angel.
6: I... Oh, Sam, I love you so much, it feels like hate.
3: It feels like a...
6: Go on,
3: go on. Hate me, Angel. Darling.
6: (sighs) No. No, don't answer it.
0: Relax, Angel. You'll be okay.
6: Sam? Yeah? Only you, Sam. All I want out only you. Just
0: stay on third, Angel. I'll pat you home safe.
2: Ah, You see, sir, I have a Man.
7: Come on in, Gutman. <laughs> Look, the same apartment, the same colors, everything the same. Yeah, the
0: same rat race, Carol. Hello, Marvin. Uh, Killed anybody since lunch? You want me to give it to you, Shaman? Oh,
7: please, please, Marvin. No unpleasant talk. Uh, Mr. Gutman, please
2: tell Marvin. In huh? here, gentlemen. Yes, 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 Marvin. Mr. Spade, I'm sure regrets the unfortunate... There... And what have we here? You all know the lady? You see, Mr. Gutton. You see, I told you.
7: Now he's dealing with her. Oh, this is... Shut up, I... you hear me? Shut up. No,
5: don't talk that, like that. I'm, I'm jumpy. I
7: don't feel
2: good. I don't know why. You shut good. up, too. I'm
7: always fighting, violence, unpleasantness. I am getting too old for this. Uh,
0: now, Mr. Spade, to the business at hand. You have the truth. I want some answers first. Did you have our dentist friend, Laverne, killed? No. Did Marvin kill Laverne? No. Cairo? No. Nobody killed Laverne. He died of old age.
2: Have you uh, asked the
0: uh, little lady there? Sam. I gotta ask you, baby.
6: Oh, Sam, how could Answer you? me? No, Sam, you know I didn't.
0: Well, it doesn't matter. I got my pigeon pick to take the fall. Oh,
3: I don't
2: think. Now, so uh, now now now, no, Marvin, retain yourself. No violence. Well, sir.
0: I, that's it.
2: Sit still. Uh, I have a
5: package from the Avalon Mortuary for Mr. Spade. Oh, hello, sir. Yeah,
0: let's have it. Uh, Mrs. Julius said to tell you... Yeah, yeah, thanks. Well, Gutman, this is it, this little package. The candy tooth. The tooth at last. Give it me, sir. Give it me. Oh, Mr. Gutman, it's all
3: over. We've got it. We've got it. We have. We have.
0: Come, sir, no more tea. Uh-uh, uh uh-uh. put those fat lunch hooks down before I chop them off. <laughs> <laughs> I rather thought this was no. What now, sir? I told you there was another bidder. There he is. I would advise you not to reach for your gun, Mr. Spade. You're pointing that gun at the wrong belly. The fat man's inside. Mr. Gutman, Mr. Cairo, Dom Constantino de Braganza of Portugal. Portugal, indeed. It's the Russians. Canada.
8: Do not be so formal, Hope, my darling. You may call Mr. Gavanovic.
2: All I must right, get off the copeck. We're all here. You see,
3: you see, Mr. Shaw, Mr. Hey,
2: you are an unmitigated cad, sir. You knew all along this man was an imposter. That was the name he gave me. Eh, uh, what matter? There's enough for all. Such a so Mr. Spade. You'll please give me that pack. Now, Robin,
3: now! <laughs>
0: They both had their guns into each other at once, practically. Kamador fired first, but Marvin didn't fall. He spit out his chewing gum, and then he squeezed the trigger of his forty-five. They both looked more surprised than anything else. But they were both very dead before they fell down. Marvin! Marvin.
2: Dead. As dead as Kamidor. Oh, and it was worth it. You know, of course, it was he who killed Laverne.
0: I told you I had my pigeon picked for the fall. I get, man. You are a winner. Poor
7: Mildred. He looks so dead.
0: You can have the package now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The truth. Uh, He seized the package with his fat little fingers. They were trembling so he could hardly undo the strings. He tore the outer wrappings, exposed a small metal jar. He looked at me... And wrenched the lid off of it. Uh, yes, he dumped the contents out of the table. The, the, the tooth, what is it? There's nothing here. The ashes. The ashes are ashes. That's it, Gutner. Ashes. The tooth is there, along with the rest of Herm and Julius. He was cremated this afternoon.
3: Cremated? The tooth, he was cremated. No. Oh. It, well,
0: it cannot be. No. no. But it
3: is. It is the truth. Oh, you idiot. Again, you are the idiot. Why do I stay with him?
2: Why? Why? <laughs> Well, well. Well, come, 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 Joel. Shall we stand here weeping and bemoaning a curious quirk of fate? Or shall we defy all fates? Were we not well underway to finding the Romanov scepter when this charming lady detoured us with her romantic notions? Come, come. What say you, Joel? eh? You
5: you mean we we go to...
2: Yes, Joel, to Samarkand.
5: Mr. Guttman, do not say it. He is listening. Uh
2: Yes, a wise precaution. Then we go, eh? Yes, Mr. Gutman. Yes, we go. That's ah. you, Mr. Spade. <laughs> oh. Sound. It's like the stage of the old vic at the final curtain of Hamlet. Alas, poor Marvin. I knew him well. Oh, well, And he slip twixt the cup and the tooth.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mr. Montgomery. I knew there was nothing on them that Dundee's boys could make stick. I thought twice before I let Dundee take over Laverne, but we both agreed it was the smart thing to do. And what do you suppose Effie said when I said, period, and a report?
4: Oh, say, for once you came out of hand. $20,000. Oh, just think of the things we can do. You pay all the bills, the years been on the office had that awful old leather chair reupholstered and, and a and new ribbon for my typewriter.
0: Effie, uh, bought that typewriter ribbon. Well, maybe you
4: know. I can get along on this one for a while, but Sam, I do think we should get my mother's earrings out of Morse's gun shop.
0: Effie, I, I know this is going to be a terrible blow to you, but...
4: Sam, what did you do with the
0: $20,000? I, uh, put it up for bail.
4: Bail? Yeah. That was the $20,000? And you're released so you get the money. It's very simple, Sam. You just go down and ask him Uh, for it. Effie,
0: you see, you don't understand these things. Now, bail is a very complex legal technicality. You see, you put up a bond and then you... Sam,
4: how much was the bail for Hope Laverne?
0: That's what I mean, Angel.
4: Oh, Sam, you're such a child. You'll never see her again. She was just... Just using you.
0: I'll take it, Effie. Hello?
6: Angel.
0: Hello, kitten.
6: Sam, I'm free. Shall I come over?
0: Oh, I'll always be waiting for you, kitten. Me, too,
4: Sam. Kitten, indeed. C-A-T. Kitten.
0: kitten. What's
4: that, Angel? Oh, forget it, Sam. I just get... Can't
0: figure away. me out, eh, Angel? Well, I'll tell you. I've lived without faith. I've lived without charity. But I've just got to have... Got
4: here is where I say... Oh, good night, Sam.
0: Good night, sweetheart. Mm-hmm.
1: This is Robert Montgomery. I'm sure our suspense audience agrees with me when I say that whenever it is, it can't be too soon to have Sam Spade back with us again in a full-hour adventure on radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Incidentally, our producer, editor, director on these weekly full hours of suspense, Bill Spear, joins hands with Dashiell Hammett to bring you The Adventures of Sam Spade each Sunday night on this network. Thanks for the plug, Bob. I have a basket full of Thanks. To my friend Howard Sam Duff, the kind of actor and director life
5: candles for, and to wonderful Lorraine Tuttle, who plays Effie each week, and to Joseph Kearns, who is the Casper Gutman of them all. And to all you other ornaments to your profession, Kathy Lewis, Wally Mayer, James Marvello, Janet Nolan, Jack Edwards, Jr., Sidney Miller, Hans Conrad, and Bill Johnston, And of course,
1: as always, to our musical director and conductor, Lud Gluskin, and to the composer of our original scores, Lucian Morrowick. And our special thanks to Bob Tolman and Jason James, who wrote The Candy Tooth and who were voted by their fellow mystery writers of America the Edgar Allan Poe Award for Sam Spade, the best detective show on the air. And to the Wild Root Company, a gracious
5: sponsor of Sam for this courtesy and cooperation in making tonight's Spaderie available. Now tell about
1: next week, Bob. Next week we will bring you another great American master of suspense. The author of The Postman Always Rings Twice and Double Indemnity, James M. Kane. It's a full hour of Mr. Kane's very wonderful no- novel, Love's lovely counterfeit. This is Robert Montgomery, who will welcome you once again next week to radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Don't forget next week at this same time, a full hour of... Suspense! This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.